Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, this week we all received a useful insight to the thought processes of the people who locked us up, fined us, separated us from our loved ones, bankrupted our businesses, and in some cases shot us with rubber bullets during the COVID lockdowns of 2020 and 21. I say we, but I really mean those Australians who read the British press and Spectator Australia, because anyone else in Australia will be unaware of this bombshell revelation. It's based on the 2.3 million words in 100,000 WhatsApp messages from Matt Hancock while he was British Health Secretary and responsible for locking down Britain's citizens. One of the many alarming revelations is that the then Prime Minister Boris Johnson and other ministers hauled senior police in to give them their, quote, marching orders. The Telegraph, the Telegraph reports, quote, Despite ministers claiming in public that the police are operationally independent of the government, the leaked messages reveal that senior officers were hauled into number 10 to be told they should be stricter with the public. Do you think there were similar meetings held here in Australia? You'd have to be naive to think not. Another familiar aspect of the lockdowns to us is that people who travelled abroad during the so-called pandemic, for whatever reason, needed to be locked up in hotels for two weeks upon return in case they had the virus. Anybody who was forced to do this in Australia now recalls it with chills. It was like being in prison, but not for having committed a crime. And the sentence was not issued in a court of law, but arbitrarily by a petty bureaucrat. British Health Secretary Matt Hancock, in a WhatsApp conversation with Simon Case, who was Britain's most senior public servant, sadistically mocked the people they were locking up in hotels. Quote, we are giving big families the sweets and putting pop stars in the box rooms, Hancock said. To which Rose replied, I just want to see the faces of people coming out of first class and into a Premier Inn shoebox, unquote. On another occasion, Rose asks Hancock smugly, any idea how many people we locked up in hotels yesterday? If Hancock and Rose were trying to protect a nation from a deadly virus, and there was pl plenty of evidence from March 2020 that the virus was not deadly for anyone but the old and or very sick anyway, that's not all they were doing. They were also getting a perverted kick from imposing inconvenience and suffering on others. This is the mentality that some ordinary Australians suspected was behind the draconian responses here. How many of us were thinking this at the time is difficult to know. It was probably a minority. One gets the feeling that the response by the Australian governments and the media for that matter was based on focus groups that were saying loudly and clearly, lock me down harder, daddy. So they did. In one exchange, then Prime Minister Boris Johnson seemed to want to lift the country 
out of lockdown earlier than planned. But his media advisors told him the move, the move was, quote, too far ahead of public opinion. In other words, don't give the people their freedom back because they don't want it. That was in June 2020. Five months later, in November, Johnston threw a farewell party at 10 Downing Street for one of those very same media advisers, Lee Kane, while the rest of the nation was locked up in their homes. When news of this party was revealed, it eventually led to the downfall of Johnson, which is more than can be said for the politicians and bureaucrats who locked us up here. On another occasion, English students were forced to wear masks at school, not because it was the healthy thing to do, and we all know now that masks never worked, but that Nicola Sturgeon, the Scottish First Minister, had already done it north of the border. This is what became known as COVID theatre. Politicians theatrically trying to outdo each other to make tyranny look like compassion. As if that was ever going to end well. This is just the tip of the iceberg of revelations from WhatsApp messages. The Telegraph is promising more over coming days. The messages were obtained by journalist Isabel Oakeshott, who ghostwrote Matt Hancock's diaries of the lockdown. The messages were meant to simply help her write the memoir, but she eventually decided to hand them over to the Telegraph because they revealed so much about the appalling way COVID policies were formulated. Britain is now arguing over the terms of reference for an inquiry into the lockdowns. There is much speculation now that in typical yes minister style, the inquiry will deliberately avoid any aspects of the lockdowns that make the government look ill-advised, malicious, hypocritical or undemocratic. It doesn't leave much. You can imagine similar apprehensions being felt in the corridors of power right here in Canberra. By contrast, Sweden, France and Italy, among other countries, have all either initiated or finished an inquiry. Even The Guardian smells a rat, saying, quote, the delay to the inquiry into Britain's handling of COVID merits an inquiry of its own, unquote. Australia is not even at that stage, and there is no guarantee we will ever get there. Instead, we're debating an amendment to our constitution that will attempt to right wrongs supposedly committed against Indigenous people centuries ago, despite none of the perpetrators or victims of those wrongs still being alive. Meanwhile, the politicians and bureaucrats who locked down this nation under the most spurious circumstances are mostly still in power. Not only are they still in power, they are still spouting the sort of gibberish that once worked so well during the lockdowns and vaccine mandates. Here is one of the stars of the lockdown, Victorian Health Officer Brett Sutton. COVID is very much still with us and getting your booster dose remains the best way to boost your immunity, to protect yourself and your loved ones against the virus and its variants. Most Victorians had their last dose more than six months ago and now have significantly waned immunity. Getting your booster dose is like recharging your phone when the battery's low. Now is a good time to recharge your immunity with a booster dose to prepare for winter. 
The 2023 booster dose is available to everyone aged 18 and above, and we recommend you get it, especially if you're over 65 or if you're over 18 with a disability or complex medical condition that increases your chance of falling very sick with COVID. You could get your 2023 dose now if your last dose or your last COVID-19 infection was six or more months ago. There are new bivalent COVID-19 vaccines available that can provide better protection against the evolving Omicron variants. So please go ahead and book an appointment to get your next dose at your local pharmacy or GP. He looks a little out of sorts, don't you think? That's not the same Brett Sutton who was the star of the Brett Sutton is Hot Facebook page or getting his tattooed rig out in front of the cameras while being jabbed. All he needed to do was roll up his sleeve, but that's not how they do things in Victoria. The closest Australia has to the Matt Hancock WhatsApp messages are the deliberations of National Cabinet. You will recall that National Cabinet was invented by former Prime Minister Scott Morrison as a kind of bipartisan war room to handle the so-called pandemic. In practice, it turned out to be a way for mostly Labor state premiers to get away with draconian measures while claiming it's all part of a national plan endorsed by none other than the Prime Minister. This much was true as far as we could tell. There was little or no acrimony in National Cabinet. Former South Australian Senator Rex Patrick thought the Australian public deserved to know what was happening in National Cabinet about how these drastic policies were being devised. His polite requests for access to the National Cabinet's records were declined on the grounds that they were protected by Cabinet confidence. So he applied under Freedom of Information. And in August 2021, he was granted that. Shadow, fi Shadow Finance Minister Katie Gallagher was delighted. She said, quote, this is a devastating judgment for the Prime Minister, that's Scott Morrison, who was the architect of a structure specifically designed to avoid transparency and to refuse access to information that is genuinely in the public interest. We expect all the documents and information to be released immediately. Her leader, Anthony Albanese, agreed. He said, quote, Mr. Morrison's obsession with secrecy has undermined the law that protects all Australians' right to know and, if left unchecked, threatens other fundamental rights. Well, it's funny how winning an election changes your attitude to these things. Asked a few months after winning office last year if he would end National Cabinet's secrecy rules, Albo, now the Prime Minister, said no and refused to explain why. Perhaps he's been told by his Labor Premier mates that National Cabinet's pandemic secrets are too damning. Rex Patrick still hasn't been given access to what he sought because the department involved has simply refused to comply with the FOI decision. And to be clear, Patrick wasn't trying to get his hands on the equivalent of Matt Hancock's WhatsApp messages. He explicitly excluded from his FOI application the deliberations and discussions of National Cabinet. All he sought was the medical and technical advice on which they based their decisions. That was it. On what scientific advice or modelling did you, and I'm struggling not to add an expletive here, base your decisions to lock down our state borders, close schools, 
lock people in their homes, close businesses, ban church services, and order Australians stranded overseas to stay there? What was the scientific explanation for that? Is there any reason why such documents should be withheld from the Australian people? The media is trying to walk back its role in all of this. Three days ago, the popular News Corp website, news.com.au, published a story listing 10 myths about COVID that have now been busted. There is nothing in that story that is news to any regular viewer of ADH or readers of The Spectator Australia, for example. However, one of the 10 busted myths, according to news.com.au, is that, quote, young people benefit from a vaccine booster. Well, the fact that that's not true would indeed be news to readers of news.com.au, of course, because only last August, that website published an uncritical announcement that the Pfizer vaccine had been approved in Australia for children aged six months. Six months to five years old. It quoted the Therapeutic Goods Administration saying, quote, this paediatric vaccine is made in the same way as the vaccines for older persons. However, it contains a lower amount of active ingredient, unquote. As if that is reassuring after all we now know about what those vaccines can do. It is unfair to single out news.com.au for having abandoned, jour abandoned journalistic skepticism and mindlessly promoting whatever policies the secretive National Cabinet was enforcing. With only a few honourable exceptions, the entire media sang from the same song sheet. Most of the real resistance came from freedom lovers on social media. The other, even more important revelation this week is that the FBI in the United States now concedes that the virus escaped from a lab in Wuhan. Whether it was leaked deliberately, few people are saying, but a deliberate leak would certainly conform to China's plan to wage what it calls unrestricted warfare on Western liberal democracies. Unrestricted warfare uses strategies and methods that we in the West don't recognise as warfare. They were outlined by two Chinese corporals, Liang, Liang and Xiang Sui, in a book in 1999, which says, quote, The boundaries lying between the two worlds of war and non-war, of military and non-military, will be totally destroyed. For example, a single man-made stock market crash, a single computer virus invasion, or a single rumour or scandal that results in a fluctuation in the enemy country's exchange rates or exposes the leaders of an enemy country on the internet, all can be included in the ranks of new concept weapons. And these weapons, quote, strike at the enemy's nerve centre directly without harming other things giving us numerous new options for achieving victory. The best way to achieve victory is to control, not kill. Well, that was written in 1999, before anyone in China had realised that a virus could wreak even more havoc. The response from our politicians was to panic, 
impose tyranny and spend borrowed money that our grandchildren will have to repay. The media, for the most part, went along with it. Anybody not calling for a full and frank inquiry into this has already given up on democracy.